Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. We in the house. Yes, we ready to have Wait, we on the live. Yes, Nettie, this is my friend Kara. Kara, this is my friend Nettie. Hi, Kara. Such a pleasure. Nice meeting you. Hold on, let me put on my earbuds. Yes, I got my so. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, can you. we can hear you, sis. Oh, wait, yes. you love with my earbuds. Hang on. Now, turn Thanks. it up, sis. Turn it up, sis. <laughs> I'm wrong with my AirPods since they love, so I'm gonna do it without it. Okay. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Mental Health Check In with Talik. I'm here with Kira and Nettie. Um, we're gonna talk about sexual assault and mental health, you know, mm -hmm. how it has affected us. So, we're gonna start off with actually one question, but I'm gonna answer it. For myself, how's my mm -hmm. mental health? My mm -hmm. mental health is good. You know, it's been a crazy day today. You know, I spoke at a school today with children mental health. And I'm going to ask Nettie first, how's your mental health doing today? How's your my mental health? <laughs> well, that's a, such a great question to start out yes. with, um, especially for the topic that we're about to start talking mm -hmm. on. But my mental health um, is... Great. Today, I, I decided that I was going to relax, that I took this day off because um, I don't like distractions. Distractions um, lead to like things that get me all like razzled. And I just I just needed to take a mental health break so that I could do this mental health talk uh, without distractions. So I am good today. I'm glad that you're good. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> I'm glad that you're good. Um, Kara, how's your mental health, you know? My mental health is well. I mean, I feel like I'm more anxious about what's to come instead of what's in the past. Like all of my anxiety is about future plans. So which is easier to maintain because I have full control over my future. So yeah. I'm doing well right now. Thank you. I love that. You are in control of your future. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Because it is a choice. It is. Ah. Love it. I'm glad that you're here, Carol. Glad that you're joining this conversation. So, the time in private. So, huh? I said, we talk time in private, me and you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, this conversation, guys, I was going to start off saying that we are not mental health professionals. We are not therapists. We're just having a conversation about our experience, what happened with us That's when it. we were sexually abused. So, you know. I'm just putting it out there, you know, we're not therapists, we're not mental health professionals. So my first question is, you know, we'll start with Nettie, then Kara. Um, what is your story about mental health and sexual abuse and why do you want to share it? Oh, many reasons why to share it because, um, you know, when we share it, we become free of those things, right? Um, it's no longer a monkey on my back, um, you know, a, you know it, it's no longer holding me back. Right. And so that's that's why I share it. I share it um, because I had held it on for decades. You know, I'm in my mid 40s and I'm not getting any younger. And it was in my uh, my late 30s is when I actually decided that I was going to address, you know, um, 
address this this thing I was carrying. Um, and it, it took us a lifespan over 37 years in order for me to get to the point where I was. And then I had to start my healing. Um, and yeah, it does take that long for some people. You know, we keep it as a dirty secret. So really my, my backstory, you want me to just go right into it? Yes. Okay, so my backstory yes. is that I was a young child. We're talking three years old, um, all the way up until like six, seven years old. I was being molested by a female cousin who was about 10, 10 12 years older than me. And um, it was every weekend um, when we went to go visit. And I, I didn't say anything as a child because um, it was just our little secret. And she wasn't hurting me. You know, she wasn't hurting me in a way that was violent or that was you know, um, that caused me to think that this was wrong and that it was just our secret. So when you're a child, you don't really know how to articulate that. But this is a special time, a special moment that I was having with her thinking that that was what we do. And so, um, so when it was all the time, when it, when it did stop, right? And I did share it, but it wasn't, I didn't come out sharing it. I was actually talking in third person as a child, kind of reacting, reenacting, you know, um, questions that I wanted to ask her, but I, I never did ask her. Like, um, one of the, I was coloring, right? My own form of therapy. Didn't even know that that's what I was doing, but I was saying, you know, why do you touch me here? Why do you touch me in my private? And so my mother happened to overhear me and then that's how everything hit the fan. And so the only thing that was really done um, in that situation was that my, my father spoke um, to his family, his side of the family, and we never spoke to them again. Um, we never spoke to them again. I never saw them again. And so as a child, when that sort of thing now stops, it affected me in so many different ways. I'm now dealing with the aftermath of I'm no longer being touched in a way that I like being touched. And I'm still not, all I know is that we don't talk about it, but these were what I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And um, I could no longer relate to anyone. And um, my abuser is no longer here. So I have no one to relate this to. And then I was trying so hard to like make up for it. And I just didn't know how. And um, that is the sad truth. And a lot of people, I, I dare not to hold this because I know that there are people out there that did not, that still to this day, don't know how to, to articulate the feelings that you were feeling. And they are perfectly fine feeling the way that you felt because you were a child. Right. You know, you, they, they took your choices away. And yes. so um, uh, that, that's just in a, in, in a nutshell, one incident. And then if I, if I may, you know, years later, now I've suppressed everything that's happened to me. Mm -hmm. I'm now um, going on 12 years old. And now my father is now a pastor of a church. And his assistant pastor, um, whom I spent the night over his house plenty of times with, because his daughter and I were, were, were best friends. And, and many times. But um, there were always little slick things that he would say that made me feel very uncomfortable. 
And he has, he wasn't the only one growing up in, in a private school. Um, a lot of the, even the pastor older sons would say things to me that I just thought like, I didn't know how to accept them. And, huh? It was very, it was like inappropriate. Yes. And so I felt very, very insecure about myself to begin with. And um, now I'm 12. And so these are advances that I, I don't realize they're advances, but I've seen them before. So I'm familiar with them. And right. so I didn't say anything to anyone because I just think that that is what, how guys behave, how men behave, how boys behave. Um, and I then get molested again by him. And so what's how that even stopped as soon as it started it stopped i i cried and my tears were falling on his arms and it was almost as if he was um in a trance himself right and yeah. and and then he stopped he's like he came to himself and and then i said to him uh no he said to me oh we have to pray we gotta oh. pray and so i'm a little bit wiser but i knew i didn't do this to myself and right. so I, I said to him, pray. I, I didn't do anything. You know, I, I didn't do this. And so he made me kneel and I prayed with him, but I, I was not satisfied with that. And so the only thing that came from that, like I didn't say anything until four months later. And that was only because I said something to somebody and that somebody went to him. And then he, girl, girl, he ended up taking the half the church. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, he got a, he, he was able to get ahead of the thing. And um, to my knowledge, nothing was ever said to him. I only found out last week that my father did confront him and he denied it. But nothing, again, nothing else was ever done. So I started to um, resort to ill feelings towards my, my father because I felt like you just let him walk away. You, you just let him take the church and, and I, I didn't know that he had a conversation, but even, I don't think I would have been satisfied with a conversation. I just wanted to feel protected. And right. so yeah. again, uh, I don't, uh, I didn't address a lot of this stuff until like my late twenties because I had suppressed everything prior to this incident. So this incident always stayed fresh um, with me, but then I started to become very rebellious I ended up getting pregnant at 14, um, you know, and then to have my father in that light, right? Yeah. And I won't be much longer. Um, in that light, uh, he was very disappointed. Yeah. And he, he barely spoke to me during my whole entire pregnancy. So never mind all the trauma that I had as a child. Now I'm dealing with another trauma wow. that my dad, who I'm supposed to be his apple of his eye, is now yeah. talking, not talking to me because I am now with child. Right. And so I just felt like, you know what? This is my cup. I, 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 I took responsibility of my situation. I said, I'm still going to go to school. My mother was a housewife. So I knew that I had that covered on the back end so that I could yeah. still continue to go to school. And so at this point now, it was just proving that I could be what I wanted to be yes. even still with child. It didn't matter. And so yes. um, I was a little bit different breed. Now these kids, are nowadays, I don't know what they're doing. Um, <laughs> but I know for me, I had to you know, I 
I, if I lie in my bed, I also have to make it. And so that's, that was the attitude that I had. And so I, I know that I am not the only one that went through these things. And then it wasn't until I became like, um, I had an adult trauma that included my own children, right? Was when I, I, I was fighting for my life. Mm-hmm. And I would have killed, like, I, I wanted to kill myself. So I, I've dealt with depression, not realizing it was depression until I had, until it, the the depression hit the, the, the front door of my own family. And then I had a therapist for, for many years, five years at least. Um, and it was three days a week because I was going to die. I was going to die. It, it was going to take, it was going to take me to a level of, I, I no longer wanted to be here. And so. I will not stay silent um, because even though I had to fight my, you know, fight to get where I am today, I don't want people to suffer when they don't have to suffer. And so I became this poet out of um, coping, right? Have to, and this is part of, she, she made me write and I wouldn't write. I fought her like six months. I wouldn't write. I said, I can barely muster up a sentence and you want me to write? Like, no. And so I finally did. And when I did, that opened up a whole door of, okay, I surrender. This is, this feels good. The stuff that's coming out is coming out poetically. And I didn't even know I had it in me. And now I'm who I am. Nettie Long Poetry. (laughs) Thank you, Nettie. Thank you. The same question to Kara. A question? Um, That was a good conversation. Okay, so you know how you said you were like you were a child and she was 10 years older than you, but at the time you didn't know that it was wrong. Yeah. yeah. When did you feel, when did you realize that it was wrong? Because I feel like when your kids, if a pair does something sexual towards you, your body is not going to know that this is wrong. So like yeah. you said, you enjoy it. When did you realize that it was wrong? When my father was yelling at my, wow. you know, family about how could you let this happen? Wow. And then um and then it 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 made him mad. So I'm only 6, right? Or 7, and it mm-hmm. made him mad, so it had to be bad. That was the only only time I ever knew it was wrong. Wow. Yeah. So when did you, like, as a child, mm-hmm. when did you realize that it wasn't your fault? Was it as an adult? Yeah. It wasn't until I was, well, now Thank remember, um, my next trauma didn't happen until I was 12, right? Mm-hmm. So I had suppressed those memories. I didn't remember those memories until <laughs> um, I, I was 17. My child is now three, almost three. And um, I happened to catch up with her, right? Because now my, my dad is remarried and, and my grandmother and she came down to visit them, right? And it wasn't until I, I, I said, oh, well, I'm going to come, I'm going to come visit you. And I did, I came and visit her. But it was at, still not remembering right. that she did this to me. Do you know when it, when it hit me? The mm-hmm. night that I stayed the night at her house and me and my daughter are now resting. Because it would always happen at night when I was when we were supposed to go to sleep. 
Right. And then I got the download. I call it a download. And it just kind of like, right, all at once, all the memories. Wow. I remember everything. And, and it, 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 I think I drank the entire, I'm 17, and I drank the entire time I was there because I wow. did not want to um, deal with feel it. anything. Right. And I didn't want to address it. And I didn't address it until I was 25. Now I'm my third child in an abusive relationship. You know what I mean? I, yeah. At that point, I, I had carried it from 17 all the way to like 25. And then I had I sat my parents down to have the conversation. Because I'm like, I feel like this happened to me. But I don't know if it happened to me. Like, yeah. I, you know? That's strange that you said that. All right, so I just want to say that I'm proud of you for not taking your life. And I know that they sound just raw and just, but that's the truth. Like, people don't realize you can be taken to the point where yes. you want to live. Yes. Yes. Always after the person takes their life where people are like, oh, I wish they would have talked to me. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Dot, dot, dot. But it's just like, for right. you, wasn't paying attention. So I'm proud of you for not taking your life. That is like a big deal. Amen. Okay, so as far as my story, it is so interesting that she said she blacked everything out because I, to this day, still don't remember one act with my abuser. It is so strange to me. It's like fragments, but I know what happened. Now, I know he abused other peers of mine. It's so weird because when you're in a house with an abuser, when it's multiple children in a house with an abuser, you become sexual towards each other. Like if an adult tells you to perform or do something else with another peer, this is this is your same age, a sister, a brother, a cousin, whatever, that is still abuse. Um I've known of other peers of mine that he abused. So for me, I can't remember an act that actually happened. What I do know is something happened and my mother wanted to go to the cops and my grandmother, who is his, his mother, didn't allow that to happen. We all know in black families, you don't yeah. tell the story of molestation, period. Yes. It's not about the child. Yeah. These are just facts. A lot of times when people speak on this, it's like you're going against your family. I'm raw with it, and I'm like, F that. I don't give a shit. Because at the day, I'm the child. I'm the victim. I shouldn't feel shame telling my story. Um. So my no, none of my parents, my grandparents, nobody is really here besides my <laughs> besides my abuser. Um, so I can't even have like that closure of not wanting them to take responsibility for not protecting me, but just to let them know I know this happened and it wasn't right. We were not protected as children, and it has affected me this these ways. Yeah. Um my abuser sat at my dinner table plenty of times. It wasn't until the abuse that he caused affected someone that I love 
more than it affected myself. I always wonder, because that person remembers the abuse. She's lived with it her entire life. I always wonder if I remember these things, how will my life be different? We have multi-layered trauma. So it's just like, you don't know what trauma caused you to do this. What trauma caused me to smoke weed every day? I don't know. What trauma caused me to depression? I don't know, because it's so multi-layered within like a family structure. Yeah. So it wasn't until it affected her so deeply that I had to like cut him out of my life because she wow. meant way more to me. So it's like if I'm having family celebrations, if she's not comfortable around you, I'm going to choose her every single time. Okay. Um, and what triggered her was the surviving R. Kelly story. Talking about triggers, how everything downloaded to your... I'm trying not to curse. Because... It's okay. Let it, it's okay. It's very difficult, so I get it. <laughs> it's very okay. difficult not to. When she watched that, it triggered so many emotions in her that it was just like, she couldn't take it. And I'm like an empathy person. We've survived so much together. So it's like, I was going through so much pain as a child. And she was the oldest out of us all. And she pretty much took care of us all. So I feel like I owe her a, my life. So mm -hmm. for something to be hurting her is like, I felt it yeah. deep in my body. Like I felt it. So I had to cut him out of my life. Like we don't talk. I mean, it was my uncle. I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, I mean, it is what it is. I, we should not feel shame for naming our abuser. I will not, I won't stand for it. I just won't. Yeah. Like, um, I remember I told a cousin what happened or whatever. And she was like, she, I mean, she didn't know. She didn't believe me pretty much or like didn't know if it was true or, and I'm just like, wow, that was kind of crazy. So I always say to people, when you're trying to heal and when you're trying to reach out to someone, you may have to reach out to a total stranger. Yeah. <laughs> because family, they're too involved. Yeah. Their truths are entangled with your truth. So it's like, if they're not ready to speak on it, sometimes you have to just, like, I mean, I told some truths. I didn't name names, but my truth, as far as my molestation, is entangled with many of my peers. I remember many situations with my peers as an adult that I knew we should not have been doing that. Um, I just always felt like it was learned behavior. Why my mind blocked it out? Look, look you see what I'm saying? Yeah, That's I feel you. I'm telling you. <laughs> If you ever hear somebody use the term kissing cousin, tell them to stop. It's not a good, it's not a good term. Where do we think that comes from? And uh, black culture, black families. Hispanic sit, ones too. Yeah. They sit on these toxic behaviors, toxic terms, and oh. it's damaging. And as an adult, they look at you like, didn't you get over that like by now? I literally, I had a conversation with my abuse. This is the last conversation me and this man had. Um, it was about my grandma. And he was like, 
Oh, well, you know, grandma did something to me before. And I'm like, what? Oh, she accused me of molesting you. I'm like, what? I said, yeah. this is what I said to him. I said, I know what happened. He like, Shaq, because he called me Shaq. He like, Shaq, I swear to you, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Now, me not remembering, I can't say to him, on such and such day, you did dot, 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 dot. He don't want to hear shit about fragments and what other people, trusted people, told me this is what happened. So I said to him, I know someone who vividly remembers many a times you attacked her. Do you want to have this conversation? And he was like, no, I don't. And that was the last time that I had a conversation with him. Now, I don't have no resentment towards this man. I always say, I wish he asked God for forgiveness because I personally don't need, like, I'm a, I'm sorry that I don't need that, but I do wish that he acknowledged to God and asked him for forgiveness. So as far as my story, like I said, I don't remember much. So it's always like in the back of my head. Now, will I ever have a trigger download moment? I pray to God that I don't. Because I feel like I already know that it happened. I've already dealt with it. To me, I've had worse pain than that, which is yeah. not even like, what is that to say? I had worse pain than that. But I felt like I've already dealt with it. I don't need that total vivid story of everything that happened to me now that I'm almost 42 years old because I've healed from even the thought. The thought of it and the fact that I see how it affected someone close to me is like I already felt it anyway. Like I was already living it anyway, even though I can't remember, like my soul truly knows. Yeah. So. I'm, I just want to say like, thank y'all guys for sharing that. Um, if anybody that's like going through a lot, you know, they have um, RAIN, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, you can always dial it at 1-800-656-4673 and reach out. And they also, anybody dealing with suicidal thoughts, because you know, molestation can lead to suicide, make you want to kill yourself. You can always call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Um, my next question for you guys is, um, did any of your family, and I'm going to start with Nettie again, did any of your family make it known that it was okay, like, to say something? Because in my family, nobody told me, like, that somebody touches you, tell me. You know, I didn't believe right. that somebody would believe me because of my, you know, because I was molested, I had a bad behavior. So I felt like nobody would believe me. So you go ahead, Maddie. So even after that first incident, I was never told, hey, you know, you should have told us, um, or I'm here for you if that should ever happen again. Or I did not get consulted um, at all. I, I don't even know my dad, he, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he, he, he did the best that he could in dealing with it. And, you know, um, you know, he was, um, I guess there's no like parent book, right. On, on how to deal and how to love and, you know, your child through, through something like this. And so he just, he, you know, he didn't really have, he had a lovable mother, but not a real lovable yeah. father. And so, you know, my dad was only mimicking or mirroring, mirroring what he knew. And, and he was just good at per, providing, right. you know, protecting yeah. wasn't part of it. You, you know what I'm saying? And so, 
um, I, I, even after that incident, and even after the second incident, I still wasn't yeah. ever told other than why didn't you say, and, and then, yeah. you know, you know, why didn't you tell us, you know, sooner, you know, um, but that was it. It was still yeah. like, oh my God, this keeps happening to my child and we can't, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like nothing came Absolutely. of a conversation. And so when the, when that part, because this this hit the front door of my own house in my own in my own world and so i treated things very differently than um the way it was done to me yeah that's mm -hmm. good <clears throat> same question yes um I, who am i going to tell like i said i didn't yeah. the time know what was happening i don't remember any of it so i can't speak for that my grandparent is not here neither of my parents are here so it's really nobody to say anything to yes. as far as me and my children i was so adamant about never leaving my children alone with this man it wasn't like it was a secret that like yeah. You see, what it wasn't like it was a secret that my uncle was a pervert, but I mean, it goes deeper than being a pervert. Yeah. So, adamant about never leaving my children alone with this man, and I mean, that was pretty much everybody in the family. And when they was old enough and they asked me why, I literally told them why. Yeah, this is why. Like. Sometimes, like, I had the same cousin. She was like, you spoke poorly about our uncle in front of our daughter. And I'm like, you should want her to know that he's a sexual predator. And first, he's going to probably look at you, lurk at you. Don't be left alone with this man. Listen, I even used to tell my kids, when I go to work, if uncle comes and knocks on the door, Hello. don't open the door. I'm not home. What is he coming here for? You see what I'm saying? That's how serious it was. So, yes, I was very adamant about that. You have to be because kids don't know. If it's someone that's supposed to love them and they, they're doing something that is not right, some kids may think that is right. So yeah. you have to be like their eyes, their ears. You have to tell them this is not right. This is not love. Just because this person is family, just because you think this person cares for you, these things are not love. Yeah. You have to, they have to feel comfortable coming to tell you like it's scary for a kid could you imagine a kid going to say this person is doing such and such that's an adult that's uncle that's auntie that's mommy that's daddy you're a kid so you gotta make kids feel comfortable coming to tell you like these things because it's definitely happening it's definitely a dialogue that needs to happen more often. Yes. Uh, and you need to get in front of it, not when it happens. Right. Right. And so you can only, as a parent, create such a dialogue yes. that it's comfortable. And you start when you're young. You, so when my kids were growing up, when they were talking, you know, bath time was a good time to talk about it like you don't let nobody you know you don't let nobody touch these areas you call them areas what their names are right um, and and you don't let and then the conversation needs to be had that you tell even if it's me you tell on me and so that way it helps 
that, that helps them understand that it's not to be touched, right? It's not to be played with. And even mommy says, tell on her. So you, that, that was something that I, I had to make sure that my kids were educated in that area because yes. sex education starts with the parent, not yes. at school. Yes. And that's crazy. That was going to be my next question for you guys. Like, Sorry. Have y'all had that talk? That's going to be my next question. Like, have y'all had that? You know, I know both of y'all personally. I know that y'all both are great mothers. I'm going to say, have y'all had that talk with your kids? And, you know, it's, it's needed in this world, you know? A lot of Absolutely. people, like, don't get it. They don't get, you know, their parents say, you know, like what you said, Nettie, even if mom or dad touches you, you say something. You know? Right. And, like, I like what Karen said when she was saying, you know, if uncle so-and-so come here, he ain't coming in. And that's, that's on period. That's on period. Like, why Why are you here? You know? Like, I, I, um, I love that. I did want to say that I commend you, um, that you were able at least talk to talk to your abuser and address him um because i too uh had to get i had to get closure and i did um uh i did you know talk to my cousin and and it, as uncomfortable as it may have been um i had to i had to do it right and so her thing was um, I'm not saying it didn't happen to you. I just don't remember. And it could be very well. I, I, I don't know. Too. I got that too, Nettie, for one of my reasons. I got that. But I had to do it. I had to do it for myself because I needed to forgive her. And I just told her, I said, well, whether you, be whether you believe it or not, or whether you can't remember or not, ask your mother. <laughs> I said, because she knows. I said, and... Um, uh, I just want to forgive you, I, and I love you, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, I and I was able I to the, move on. I did the same thing. I got hit my cousins up on Facebook and was like, you know, this I is know. why I was depressed. You know, this is why, and y'all, and it made me feel so good that to let that out because I forgave him in my head, but that was just bullshit because like right. I was still holding on to it. So once I forgave, I was like, okay, what's next? Therapy, you know, make sure I get myself get whatever because like. Like, people don't understand sexual abuse can, can really affect your mental health, you know, like suicidal thoughts, self-love, right. um, you know, you just, like, hate, like, for me, mine was, I didn't trust men, I didn't really, like, I hung around a lot of girls, so it was easy for me because I felt accepted, then I would mm -hmm. never hang around guys because of what they did to me, so I just always held that in the back of my mind and everything, so, like, it's, it's a must that, you know, that, that, that this topic comes, you know? You know, we talk about this topic. Layers. Awareness for, you know? Yes. And uh, next thing to ask you guys is, um, what do you guys say to parents, right? You know, y'all two are wonderful parents, mothers. Uh, what do you say to parents that, you know, what do you say to a parent that has a child that wants to speak to them, but they're scared? They feel like they parent. You know, you know, some parents don't believe their children. There's some incidents I heard that some parents don't believe their children. They call them a liar. And I think that's heartbreaking because I feel like you gave birth to that child. Anything your child say, no matter if you think they lie, you should believe it, investigate it, and see what's going on. So what do you guys say? You know, start with Nettie, okay? What do you guys say to the parents out there? Well, that was a, a very good question. And I'm even having some... some um, I'm trying not to be upset at it because there are, that is the actual fact that parents 
don't often yeah. listen to their children. Um, I would say that it's never too late to make it right. Yeah. So if you didn't believe them at first and you're listening to this, um, this show today, um, and you're and you're and you're being tugged at your heart like you there's never a time where you can just not fix it you, there's always your your child loves you regardless of how you treat them um but they can become very resentful and so when you start making the necessary changes to go back and go fi and fix it they they'll see that and and you just need to make an effort to really be open-minded to what they're saying because it's very unlikely for your child to lie about someone that is hurting them or that is abusing them or sexually assaulting them and all of that just because you didn't see it it doesn't mean it didn't happen yes. and it's not up to you to be the judge it's yes. up to you to make that phone call right. and allow an investigation to yes. happen the rest is not up to you but when you don't say anything now you are aiding and embedding the culprit yes. whether you believe it or not and that makes you just as much as fault as the person that actually did it yep. and shame on you yep yeah. I feel like to parents I would just simply say believe your child just like you said even initially when your child tells you something you got to believe it you can investigate it and see the end result but the minute you lead with doubt you automatically lose trust with the child so it's just like i feel like parents sometimes the minute they hear something happen to their child, especially if it's, I feel like, sexual abuse, it's almost like shame. The parent feels shame. It's like, I didn't protect my child. How could this happen to my child? Everything is my, my, my. So I feel like the denial comes with, if I say it didn't happen, then I won't have to take any of the responsibility for the act. I won't have to deal with it because it's yeah. it's a lot to deal with. Like a child coming forward, their world is pretty much turned upside down. So they're going to need a strong support system. Our parents, I know from, I can speak for myself. My parent had a hard life. My phone keep going like in and out. Um, We're not going in and out on ours. All right, it's not, it's not. Yeah. Just fine. All right. My parents, she came from a hard life. My grandma was an alcoholic. I mean, my mom was smoking crack as a teenager. But then my grandmother, she came from, she was alive during Jim Crow time. So, of course, she had nothing. She had seven, eight children, the oldest child out of wedlock. So, you know, she was looked upon as the outcast. Like, her stepdad <clears throat> hated her. And as a teenager, she would have to leave the house every night when he came home from work because he didn't want her to stay in the house with his new wife, which was her mom, and yeah. the children that they birthed. So 
I say all that to say parents have to sort of kind of not make it about them when a child comes forward yeah. because it's like this is not your story this is the time for you to maybe change the generational cycle of hiding shit and throwing it under the rug i say this all the time it's a lot of generational curses that we want to break but the main one everyone talks about is monetary i feel like the mental health generational curse the addiction general generational curse the hiding molestation generation those are things that are like embedded in a family structure and no one talks about that but yeah be the first millionaire okay how about you be the first to stop hiding a sexual predator in your family how about you be the first to heal from past trauma so no. you won't have to bleed on your children like that's the curse that i've i've always wanted to like break it's like my health curse how i raise my children and did i break it 100 percent? absolutely not are there some things that i accomplished goddamn right oh my god i'm just real that's good so, that's so good like, i mean for the people in the back for the <laughs> yes that might not have heard you about that whole get over your own past trauma so that you can stop beating your kids that part yes yeah exactly like over the trauma of telling a young boy who all he want to do is dance, let's stop telling him to sit his gay ass down. He's just expressing himself. And I always say this, right? I feel like molestation and the hate for gay people in the black community, that shit go hand in hand. Because of course. they'll be quick to point out, oh, he's gay because of the music he listened to and this, that, and the third. No. How do you know something wasn't done to him as a child and now he can express himself sexually because this is what he think love is, so now he's confused. You don't you never know. You don't There's so many things we need to break within the family structure of black people. And the first thing you could do is believe your child when they come to you. It's simple shit like that. Yes. Yes. Um but I be getting they, angry. I be <laughs> thank you. No, because I went through the same thing when I told my dad and he was like, I'm lying. I, you would have told my mom because you know my grandma raised me. I'm like, like I didn't say that because I didn't want to start no problems and stuff like that. You know, like they already my grandma was like an outcast. You know, she stated herself. I didn't want to start no problems with her sisters and everything. So it was just I felt like I just would have been like, look, and you see how you as a child, you put the whole thing literally on your back. You made that one decision with your yeah. entire fucking family on your back as a yeah. child. Yeah. People don't realize how that affects your life yeah. growing up. As a child, we should have not you should not have had to make that decision. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you had to. Because that's deep. You weren't only thinking about yourself. You were thinking about your yeah. dad, your grandma, her sisters. Oh, they gonna start arguing that I got that. Child, listen. Yeah. I got one more question, then I'm gonna ask y'all. You know, tell I'm gonna ask one more question then and we're gonna end it with like What's next for you guys? But mm -hmm. like, it's the same question I asked you. I want to ask y'all: What do you guys say to, you know, that little leap, that little Nettie, that little Kara, or some child out there that's struggling? That maybe watch this, they may see this video. Like, what do you say to them that's dealing with this? You know, like what do you say to them? 
what advice do you give to them? Like, before I answer that, yeah. before I answer that, I feel like I have to kind of just explain what the sexual abuse kind of did to me growing up. Oh, like, so, so let me at least, at least do that, and then I'll answer yeah, yeah, your question. Yeah. So sexual abuse messed with me in a way that I felt the way that I felt about myself. I I may yeah. have been beautiful, right, to the whole world as they look upon me, right? Yeah. But I felt like it was a curse. Right? Wow. And it, it, rather than something that I should have embraced. And partly that had to do with, with the way that people looked at me. So whether it was a male or whether it was a female, it didn't matter. The way they looked at me was lustful, right? And so I had a very hard time with insecurities, right? I had insecurities about myself because, my God, I couldn't go anywhere without somebody. I felt, I felt because of my traumas, yeah. that all they wanted was less from me. And so, yeah. or they were lusting after me. And it became a burden. And so I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel that I wanted to be beautiful. And so that messed with my whole psyche about, you know, the way that I saw myself. So then I wore the baggy clothes and yeah. retrospect to what she was saying, I started to, to express myself outwardly by putting on the baggy clothes, by putting on the caps, by, you know, I didn't want to be looked at like that. And so I became like this tomboy. Mm. I didn't I didn't want to feel beautiful or looked at like that. And and in the end result it didn't even matter, right? And so um I had a hard time saying no. It 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 just messed with this is my cup and I'm supposed to be this giver and I'm not supposed to expect to to receive. And so I it it, it messed with me in a way so I can see children these days, I can see when they're insecure about themselves. You can just tell. And those are the ones that seem to be the most effective because they don't know how to express themselves. And it's mm -hmm. so obvious, right? And so what I would say is for parents um, and teachers and leaders and people who are adults, um, you need to start looking for the for the actual visible signs they're there yeah. you know they're there and you can and you can just imagine what a child might have gone through and so if you can put that in the forefront of your mind on your head yeah. knowing when you're dealing with each individual child you you will be able to respond to a child effectively yeah um i can't even stress that enough it's like 70, almost 80% now of that somebody will, a child will be abused in an environment that they know their perpetrator. Yes. So if you know that to be um, a statistic, my God, just assume the worst and, right. and, 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 and deal with each child effectively. And you don't have to know the actual trauma to know that a child is going through because they will act it out in their appearance. They will act it out in the way that they dress, in the yes. way that they are. Those are those are signs. And so you don't need to 
um, experience um, what they experienced to know the signs. Right. Um, and so I would say for those people who have been affected and the way that social media, this, the way that social media is, I pray that this reaches even children that, that um, may not know that touching is wrong, you know, in, you know, and, and now we'll get some understanding. Um, but for those who are listening that you need to start taking action now. And if you have children, it's never too late to start having an action plan and it's never too late to have a conversation. Um, even if it happened, it was passed, but now you're, you're creating a safe environment for them to come back and talk to you because now you've opened up and say, Hey, here's the door. Has this happened to you? And if it's so let's talk about it. Let me know who I will protect you. We will, we will work this out together. Let's talk. But right. if you don't yep. start, it'll never happen. Yes. That's what I have to say about that. Is honestly, you, I would say reach out to a professional. And when I say professional, I'm Sometimes family you can't trust. Sometimes family is the abuser. So if there's any anybody, honestly, small child, grown adult, it, it could be grown adults that are that are out there getting abused. If you feel like you have no one to tell, tell a teacher, nurse, doctor, librarian, bus driver, yeah. somebody, and continue to tell them until you seek the help you need. Um, Again, with family, it's just they're too involved. They're too entangled to even deal with it, unfortunately. Um, even with mental health, you you can't you can't heal your family. For many, many years, no. I felt like my mental health was... I, not I felt like, let me stop saying I felt like I know. I attached my mental health with my family's mental health and shit that was going on in my family. I attached my own shit with that. Yeah. It wasn't until I detached it, unfortunately. I mean, fortunately, that I found out that I really found the healing that I need. I, it was talking to total strangers. It was, I did a lot of self healing. So it was just a lot of me and my pain, honestly. Um, so, family, we want them to support us, but unfortunately, they don't. And now that we're adults, this is what we said to our inner child. Family all the time. You have to be your own protection. And as a child, I feel like telling someone outside of your family, it's a good start to protecting yourself. Yeah. I mean, kids, they don't understand it. So it's sort of kind of like hard. But like she said, with today's age, it's the internet. Like, it's not how when we were growing up, we were just in the house with the yeah. <laughs> So now, hopefully, kids understand more. So that's what I would say. Reach out to a professional. It doesn't have to be family, long as you get help because things that are happening to these kids are it's just not it's not right. It's criminal, it's crimes. Like we talk about it like it's like we're almost walking off eggshells. 
but it's these are sexual crimes against children so hey if we don't start changing it now then our children have no future they have no hope it's just part of you know then it's just it then it's um it's just part of society and 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 it'll just be looked upon like uh it's just the way of life it's almost like what the fuck is the pain for if it's not to change it's just like the pain is just it's just what it is it's just life it shouldn't be like that like you said it's just it it, it, it becomes just society mental health is already looked upon as just like it's going to take I've always thought that mental health and just the the way it's looked at is the biggest health crisis in America in my in my view. Yes, it is. Because it's affecting so many generations to this day and moving forward if we don't stop it like what kind of future could you have? Like I'm ambitious. I have goals, I have dreams, I have aspirations and my mental health and my depression still holds me back. Yeah. So, until we get that together, I feel like as a society, we always gonna be like stuck. Yes, I, I feel y'all, and I just want to thank y'all for you know being on here today. And I just want to ask you know, you know, Bonetti to Kira, what do you guys? What's next for you guys? What's going on? Like, tell us, you know, where people can follow you at. What's going on? You know. Yes. You? Um. First of all, thank you, Leek, for for opening up this dialogue. I really, really always. Oh my God. You you know you my you my bae. <laughs> I love you so much. We talk often. Yeah. Um, and I love that you are always just so encouraging. And um, I think that it's important to have um, people in our in, in each other's corners because um, yeah. it, it's iron sharpening iron. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you really took this to a whole nother level. And, yeah. and you even put yourself in a position to get more training and things like that. Yeah. So I commend you, first of all. Thank you, um, thank thank you. you so much. Um, you, yeah. you really set out and did what you said you were going to do. Period. And you're yeah. doing it. And then you're reaching the masses. Like, yeah. I'm so proud of you. I, I, now you. I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh, no. um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can be, I try to keep everything simple. Um, I'm just Nettie Long. That's it. Nettie Long. Yeah. Or on Facebook, it's Nettie Long. But on IG, it's Nettie Long Poetry. I also have a, fa I have a makeup page called Nettie Long Pharmacy. I'll put everything in the yeah. links once the this drops. Yeah. Um, as well as I have a, a monthly survivor series where yes. I <laughs> where I interview a survivor of either domestic violence or yes. sexual abuse. And um, and the reason and the reason that I do that is because first of all, I believe both of them go hand in hand. Um, because when you're sexually abused as a child, um, you're looking for anyone to protect you. And so. Um, when you start growing up and wanting to be in relationships and you're looking for that fatherly figure when, if you're a female um, um, and you're just, and you just, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. And then you end right. up in domestic violence situations yeah, uh, because you're true. not healed and you don't know what love looks like. And so um, I, I, 
interview survivors monthly and I've been doing that for like seven months straight people are inboxing me left and right telling me they want to sit, tell the story so I believe I'm booked all the way to the end of the year oh, um, and nice. so Nick Monroe that's how I, he was my first interview um, and so it was something that he said because I was on a similar platform as him, not at the same time, but I went back to view his story. And it was yeah. something that he said that resonated in me. And so he said that he felt that his choices were taken away. And so the series is called, They Took My Choice Away. And I commend that and I, I give him props for that because he, um, I said, oh my God, I couldn't articulate it. But that's how I felt that my choices were taken away as a child. And so um, I owe all of that to Leek um, for the inspiration of it. And um, I, I just appreciate him. Thank you so much. You know, I, we, me and Nettie, you guys met. Oh, my aunt was doing a thing with sexual assault and um, a domestic domestic violence and we met I watched that video and she watched my eyes I hit her up was like hey you know I heard your story and it was the rest of his history and yes. I thank you for always you know having conversations you know I thank you always for always answering and Kara, what's next with you? I know you got a lot going on, you know, helping. helping I do have to jump off. I'm sorry I don't okay. mean to interrupt okay. but I girl we gotta we gotta connect. Yeah I'm gonna okay, follow definitely. you yep. all right. <laughs> all right. Love you. All right daddy. Bye. So, um, oh yeah, let me do my little situation. Yes. So, I'm trying to take humane beings to the next level. Honestly, the next level for me is just outside every day helping people. Like, yes. I can't, I'm just really just like an army of one right now. And as long as I'm yes. doing that, I know it's just going to grow. I mean, so this year I plan on applying for funding under humane beings as my nonprofit. Yes. Um so I have like ugh, a crazy year planned. Um but you know humane beings is a mental health advocacy. We also advocate for addiction. When you say things go hand in hand, listen. Yes. You try to mask that pain, you become a drug addict, period. <laughs> like it's really not much you can say or you seep into a depression and you, yeah. either way, I just feel like hard, heavy drug use is to mask some kind of emotional pain. You can't address yes. one without addressing the other. Um, Humane Beings is all about meeting people where they are. Yes. I'm always at K&A. I'm where the junkies at. I mean, they my people. I come from a family of addicts. Both parents were addicts. Grandparents was alcoholics. So yeah. how dare I look down upon? Like, that's just not yeah. right. So um, we're definitely pushing the nonprofit. And I also have some for-profit, like, products and stuff like that. But as yeah. far as making money, that's secondhand. Until I get yeah. the nonprofit where I want it to be, I'm not going to start, like, selling merch. Like, these shirts is for people that come help me pass out donations. Like, you yeah. get a shirt. So that's what I have planned as far as and continuing my mental health journey it's all it's it's a journey yes like every make, day like a bad one make sure when this is done you put that information in the comments so people can follow it you know um oh yeah I, during, we had like over three thousand people strong 
in the yes. Humane Peace community, and they be in my DMs. We have conversations. That's what get me excited. Like people yeah. truly wanting to talk about their issues because, like she said, when you mask it and you bury it deep, you can't yeah. heal from it. That's why I could sit here and say both of my parents was crackheads. I wasn't molested. Like yeah, none of it. My, don't at all. My parents was on drugs too, so I could, you know, I, I speak openly about my story. Oh, what's up, you yeah, I see over there about it, but you know, it's crazy. I'm I, like, you know, I'm thankful that you we had this conversation. You know, me and Kira be in the inbox and talking sometimes. It's crazy that we're at this point in life because I first met Kira, you know, she checked me. <laughs> That's why with me, but we, you did, <laughs> but we are cool now. It's crazy that whole time me and Kira never had a conversation. I never knew that she went through this or her family went through this, or she didn't know I've been through that until right. I guess like social media. So a I lot think of you us have been through the same shit, yo. Yeah. A lot of us have been through the same shit, and it'll take one or two people to talk about it, and it encourages other people to talk about it, and then. I just feel like that'll be easier for people to get help. Like, we shouldn't feel ashamed because you have some At kind all. of... It's literally your brain having an illness. Like, yes. I don't think people understand that. When you have a mental illness, your brain, which is the largest organ in your body, is sick. Why should I be ashamed? Of that? Yes. You're not a cancer patient feel ashamed. Somebody with lupus feel ashamed. Somebody with diabetes... Like, so why should I feel ashamed? Because I'm sick. No, I refuse to. And that's just... I just want to thank you and Nettie tonight. Um, this is all the time we have, guys. You know, they yeah, have just... information. We definitely going to do it again. Oh, we wait. Definitely... So, I might do... I'm going to do a live from Humane Beings, and I'm going to ask you to join. I'm going to think of a topic. Oh. Because, yeah. honestly, I'm, I'm proud that you go live when you... Because it's like a lot of people don't want to go live. Yeah. Because I mean, you know, they here. They don't want to be in And um, go live. So I am super duper proud of you. Thank for you, doing Kira. Like, Thank like you. she said, doing what you said you was going to do, yeah. and God, I'm doing it. Period. That's it. That's all. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Let me know. You know, I'm down to go live or whatever like that. You know. Um, we're going to do this again. We're definitely going to do this again at a different time, but, you know, because mental health, even though we talked about sexual abuse, but people, mental health is important, too. You know, you're an advocate, I'm an advocate, you know. We promote it, you know. And that's all, guys. You know, thank you for tuning in. Maddie and Kara, love you guys. Thank you. Love you all. Have a nice night. All right.